What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the You Know Ball Podcast. I am your host, Troll Bro Dude, aka Porter. And up top, I wanted to have a very special announcement. Please do not skip this section. So basically, I've had a few people reach out to me recently and see if there was any way if I could start a Patreon or if I could start some sort of paywalled content to give you guys extra episodes every week. And while I love the idea, I want to try to keep all of my content, every episode of the podcast, everything that I release free for everyone. Because I know in the past I haven't been able to afford these kind of things and I just want to make it so that everyone has access to every episode for free. Having said that, I am introducing a tip jar on Square. So basically you can support the podcast with donations on my link tree page which I'll put in the description below through Square and the point of this is that I'm going to hopefully get enough money to get a new computer, get a camera, start creating some video content, trying to put out more than one episode every week, basically trying to motivate myself to keep pumping out that good shit baby. So From here, we will essentially be asking every episode that you just support the podcast, donate whatever you can if you're able to. I really, really, really appreciate it. And it's hard for me to kind of ask these things. I'm not a very self-promotional person. So please just visit in the description. Check it out. If you support the podcast, you support me. I really, really appreciate it. And this way I can make more stuff every week, if not every week, every other week, I can expand what I'm doing. And on top of that, it keeps it free for everyone. Also, one last thing that I did forget to add, we are going to eventually introduce rewards. So whoever supports the podcast, we're going to come up with some different ideas to kind of reward people for helping out the podcast. Right now, we're still kind of in the introduction phase of this, so as time goes on, we'll be introducing this, but I'll have all your information on file whenever you donate to support the podcast so I can contact you at any point. So once again, really, really, really appreciate your your support. If you donate, if you don't donate, I appreciate it either way. Anyone who listens, I 100% appreciate it. And I guess the last thing I should say is... I'm starting a Discord. So if you're not familiar with Discord, it's basically a space. There's an app. You can use it on your computer. It's a space where we can all talk together as a community. So I have a You Know Ball Discord, which I will also put in my link tree, which is in the description. When you click on that link, you can go to the Discord. You can join it, and you can we can just talk about whatever in there. We can talk about you know hoops, Sixers, Ben Simmons, Eagles, True hooping, uh, buckets, problems. We can talk literally about whatever you want. Eagles, we can talk NFL. So we can even have subsections where we talk about different things in there. It's basically like a Twitter group DM, but just for people that listen to the podcast. So definitely subscribe to that. And once again, thank you so much for your support. And here's my conversation with Zell. We work to work, you late to work, I holla in the Senate You know my pride was colder than Chicago in December My bitch came up in ankle with her mama, was her daddy And when I'm in the midway, 
candy. Bitch. My dog out laying down low, ain't breaking no laws, out serving all the rock. Beats outside, still fucking in the car, still flipping in the car, still shooting at the car. And then so that okay. just so we have more time, we can keep the whole episode focused on Ben because that's what we love talking about the most. Yeah, right. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take three. We are back on our bullshit, folks. Uh, I'm very blessed to be joined today by two-time returning champion, Mr. Tweets by Zoe. You might know him from the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast. You might know him from the Corner 3 newsletter. You might know him from his new podcast, Odds and End Zones, on Bleeding Green Nation with Seamus Clancy, who has also been on this podcast. So, first off, your credits. We just we got a whole fucking list of them now, dude. dude I, <laughs> Congratulations. I, I, thank you. Thank you very much, man. And, and you know, obviously, of course, um, uh, you know, you, uh, I'm obviously a, a uh, not my first time on on this wonderful pod, but, uh, you know, I was, yeah, since we talked, the credits is, have certainly, the credits and the price have increased, but, um, I'm, uh, of course. you know, super, super excited to be on. And, um, I, you know, we're, we're unfortunately, um, you know, two days away from Sixers media day, three days away from the actual tip of training camp and still, I mean, clouded by, the giant gray, you know, number twenty-five in the sky. So let's uh, <laughs> let's let's get to it. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Um, as as Zoe's price continues to go up, Ben's price continues to go down on the trade market. Uh, earlier this week, we had another report which gave us. No new information that we didn't already know. It's kind of right. just Ben Simmons and his camp digging their feet in the sand making sure that they are standing their ground when it comes to the fact that he's basically said now he will never play for the Sixers again. Woj kind of confirmed that earlier this week. Uh, I mean, I think we could both kind of conclude he's not going to show up to start at least the beginning of training camp, right? Yeah, and um, so, I, you know, we talked about this earlier in the week, but you know, the most recent – most recent example of this is obviously James Harden and the Rockets. But um, like I was saying, I was talking to somebody the other day, even even in that, that sense, right, like Harden had a legit reason. You know, he, he, he just didn't feel like the Rockets were good enough and he wasn't ready to go through whatever they were about to go through. And he was like, look, I'm going to, you know, I'm missing training camp. I'm missing all preseason. But he, he literally showed up for that first um, regular season game. And he played right up until he got traded. Um, and I, but I don't think this is nearly that kind of case. Like, I, I, I do believe that um, Ben doesn't want to show up. He's not going to show up. I, and I think that he's going to try to push that envelope as long as he can. Um, and I'm, I, I am – my personal belief is that something gets done, you know, sooner um, – but I do think that he'll he'll try to take it all the way up until that first that first regular season game. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I think I, I don't think that the Sixers will find Ben until there is actual games missed. Um, it's just something that teams teams when it comes to supporting players and agents, they always want to be extremely careful. They don't want to offend Rich Paul. They don't want to offend Ben. 
They don't essentially want to get into a situation where it's a full-out war. They're finding Ben for every day. He doesn't show up to training camp, preseason, all that stuff. But when the games actually start to happen, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. And as you said, I, I kind of feel the same way. There, There is no precedent for a player, especially with four years left on his contract, to not report to, to the actual games because then they're going to sacrifice losing their contract, their end of the deal, essentially. Right. And so the other the, – the part of it that you, that you mentioned that's really important is the – you know, they want their – Maury and company are almost – I don't want to say walking on eggshells, but they're treading very lightly because you don't want to make it seem like you're offending Ben – um, mostly because <laughs> you eventually are going to probably have to deal with clutch again in some form or fashion. I mean, Tyrese Maxey, Tyrese Maxey is literally a clutch. 100%. Guy. Um, and you know, the, Oh, also as some, as, um, uh, Mike pointed out in the last episode, so is Zach Levine. So is Zach Levine. Yes. And, uh, you know, for, for what it's worth, Darius Garland, um, is also a clutch client. So, true. You, know, you Rich Paul is not going away anytime soon. So, you, you have to deal with this, but you also have to be extremely gentle with it because the last thing you want is guys to, to look over here and say, damn, look how they treated Ben Simmons. And not that anybody, not that anybody anywhere, you know, we, we don't really know how the rest of the, the league looks at Ben um, and they could be split on it. Like I'm sure some guys are like, you know, that's my guy, whatever, whatever. And I'm sure other guys are like, I don't know him or, you know, he can go to hell, but like you still, you still don't want the perception <laughs> to be well, more. He doesn't know how to treat his guys or like, they just, you know, they treat you more like an asset there. Like remember like, and I listen, I am a hinky guy through and through, but that was yeah. one of the downfalls. Like guys didn't when it, when it was time to flip the switch guys, agents, didn't really want to have that talk because they felt like Hinky treated players more like assets than humans. So I think there's definitely something to it that they have to also tread around. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm 100% with you when it comes to that. I think that every, every once in a while there will be like this, like player uh, agent poll or whatever, like the athletic will do it or ESPN yeah. will do it. And Daryl Morey is always towards the top of being like an untrustworthy GM, if not number one. <laughs> so You're like right. for everything that he does well, that player agent relationship is definitely the weakest element of his resume as a GM. And add on top of that, the fact that you have doc rivers, who also is a coach who has had a lot of fallings out there's this narrative that Doc is a player's coach, and I think he's a player's coach for about one season. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's <laughs> it's so funny you brought that up because I was watching, I did watch the um, this year's uh, Hall of Fame induction, and mm-hmm. Paul Pierce gave a story. It was it was actually it was actually pretty weak, but whatever. So I feel like every coach does this, but he was saying, "Oh, like Doc Rivers is a player's coach because." One time I came in hungover and was puking all over the place. And he said, Paul, go home and just be ready to play tonight. And I was like, like, and, he, and I was like, if that's your biggest example of Doc being a player's coach, then every <laughs> fucking coach in the league is a player's coach. Like, 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 like if, if, if Joel and B came in hungover and was puking and Doc was like, oh, Joe, just go home and get hydrated. We'll see you tonight. 
Like who who's gonna say, yo, don't come back? Of course you're gonna tell them to go home and rest and come back. Like, of course. And also just wanna add a caveat to that. Paul Pierce is a superstar. Joel Embiid is a superstar. If right. if Shake Milton shows up to practice hungover, it's like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Like, right. and, and Doc has even explained this. When he was hired by the Sixers, I remember there were articles coming out that basically said, like, you know, Joel and Ben are going to be treated differently than the rest of the team. And, like, this is a situation that he had with Paul, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard in L.A., and you know, it created a divide in the locker room. And that after one season, that fell apart. But it's it's just funny that Doc has gotten this rep as a player's coach. And now we're seeing already he has this beef with Ben. He And, and whether it's justified or not, it exists. And then oh, on yeah. top of that, there are a list of players that don't want to come to Philly because of Maury. There are a list of players that don't want to come to Philly because of Doc. So, like... The Sixers as have to be very, very careful as they navigate this situation because they don't want to become the number one team in the league that no one wants to play for. And this is this is it's funny because you know we look back on the Elton Brand front office era as like you know hits hits and misses, but he got yeah. guys in here, and I'm not saying he's right, I'm not saying he's wrong, but. You know, he did. They got they got Jimmy, and he got JJ. And the first thing that people said was, "Oh, the guys like him. He's a former player. You know, he knows what guys wants. I mean, obviously, guys want to fucking get paid. Let's not, let's not quit ourselves. But also, like guys want to play for and with you know, player guys who get it. And like he's a guy who gets it. Um, so I don't know, man. I I I, I feel like they have they certainly have some work to do, but I also feel like we can do a whole other hour about this, but I also feel like Doc isn't getting enough of enough of this enough of this 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 vitriol, right? Because there was, I think, and yeah. some and in in another universe uh, when when we have time, we're gonna rank who who's all responsible for 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 what for what that flame out against the Hawks was, but I think I don't think Doc is getting nearly enough. <laughs> he has. He definitely hasn't gotten his share, um, because it's a thing, man. And I, I we joked about yeah. it, and we and we joked tweeted about it before the playoffs start, and while it was going on. But it's a sincere thing. His teams don't get out of the playoffs anymore, like they don't get out of the second round. And and when they and when they, it's 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 scary actually. Yeah, and 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 it's a a, a repeated history that has happened where. A lot of the times, Doc has tend to throw guys under the bus. He's tended to have these fallings out. And as I said, whether it's justified or not, wh- whatever Doc said, and we'll discuss this in a little bit more, whatever Doc had followed up with on first take, whatever Doc said about Ben Simmons, that is 100% true. But the thing is, is that Doc spent the entire season lying about Ben and being a politician whenever it came to, well, let's focus on what Ben does well. Let's focus on, you know, uh, the, the playmaking and the defense and blah, blah, blah. Right. And then the second that Ben, you know, has a moment of weakness, uh, uh, several moments of weakness in the playoffs, he turns, yeah. he flips the switch, he turns on him. So, so that is, that's kind of the, the thing is that like, I don't, I, I'm of the belief that if you have top talent, like if, if you get a second superstar to pair with Joel Embiid or you build a perfect team around Joel Embiid without that second superstar, maybe you have another star. 
Right. I don't think Doc Rivers really matters all that much. Right. The reality is they should have won the Hawks series. They should have, and he should get a lot of blame for it. But, but the reason that I'm not as worried about Doc is because I think ultimately what wins in the NBA is your best player playing up to his potential and having that second complementary star to Joel Embiid will be what is the goal of this whole Ben Simmons situation. It's like, we know we have the third guy in Tobias. We know we have the role players in Seth and Danny and Thibel and Maxi and all those guys. How can you get that second guy so that even a coach like Doc's weaknesses aren't on full display when the games matter most? Yeah, you got to protect Doc from himself. <laughs> Essentially. But, and like, you, so to your point, uh, and this goes into everything else, but in protecting him from himself, he probably should have went and signed fucking Andre Drummond. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's neither here nor there, but that's a, you bring up a really good point. Like, so, all things considered, even though he was averaging 30 and 15 on one leg, Joe was still doing that on one leg. Right? So, like, you... Yes. Like, what, what does a fully, fully functional, fully healthy NBA do in a game seven? Does that series even get to a game seven? Probably not. You know what I mean? And but like, I think that also goes to the point that you shouldn't even needed that. Like, like if if, if your guys are the guys, hundred percent. I'm talking to everybody. I'm talking to Seth. Seth excluded because Seth was Seth literally shot sixty percent from three in that series. But you know, I'm talking to Tobias. I'm talking to Ben. Like we like we needed you, and and you shrunk in the in the biggest of moments. So. Uh, yeah, even Thibel. I mean, Thibel admitted it on JJ Reddick's podcast yeah. this week. He basically said, I had that huge foul at the end of the game. He missed open threes. Like, even guys that that are lower on the totem pole d- dodged a lot of the blame for that series because of the fact that Ben's weaknesses were on full display. And I totally, totally agree with you when it comes to all that. And, and so it brings me to my next point, Austin's point. And and you let me know how you feel, but I feel like when it comes to this team, nothing, nothing really matters until the playoffs are. And that's a that's a lot to say with the eighty-two game season. But what I mean by that is they're going to be a good regular season team. They just are. They play good regular season. If he cares, he plays. You know, if he plays, you know, sixty games, they're going to win. They're going to have a, a fifty-something, you know, something north of fifty games if they win again. They're just a good regular season team, and you know, given and let's see how you know how it shakes out uh, with you know with Brooklyn and with and with Miami. They might even you know find themselves top three, probably. I, I think more so top four, but it might be in the top three. But I just think the way that, as far as it pertains to this team and their goals are, nobody really cares until the playoffs. Like you, you you've got to get out of the second round of the playoffs. You cannot waste another year of Joel Embiid, and you right. have to, have to, have to. You have to audition basically all year for a legit backup center. Um, I, I, I think that Paul Reed has to see yep. why minutes during the season. He just has to. You have to see what you have. You have to see it. Yep. And I do want to add to that. I think. One thing that has been discussed is the fact that we don't have a backup center. And that's obviously a big glaring weakness of the Sixers over the past three to four years. Whenever Joel Embiid is off the court, a lot of that to me 
it comes down to the fact that they have essentially no plan when Embiid is off the court. You see this a lot with superstars. I mean, you see it with guys who are even better than Joel, like LeBron in his prime. When LeBron would sit, the Cavs would get absolutely destroyed. Trying to figure out a way, and Mike Levin uh, of writes Ricky Sanchez, constantly will bring this up, which is essentially figuring out a way to survive the minutes without Joel. And I think maybe something like so there are some ways that you can do that. If, if you just take your second best player from being Ben Simmons to improving on that would be the number one way, which would, which was the appeal of getting Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal or whoever it is, is that exactly. in those minutes you can play a different style and you can also survive by having enough scoring out there, by having enough playmaking, by having the, cause the thing is, is that the defense is usually fine when Joel sits. It's the offense right. that completely falls apart. Yeah. And, and and there is, and I, I wrote about it a lot in the newsletter, but I really think that the the other issue with that is you just have to be willing to use the regular season in some form or fashion as an audition, right? You know who's really good at it? Like the guy, the team yes. that really good at it won the literally won the championship. Like the Bucks are so good at it. They they tried out specific lineups, specific yep. guys, and plugged and played. And then what the last thing they did was they went and got PJ and we said, all right, dude, like you're it. You know, and so like you have to be willing to do that. So like if it if it means that you, you know, on a random ass Thursday night that Embiid only plays, you know, 25 minutes against the Wizards or something, then okay. Like all that means is you went small ball for the second half and you won by six instead of winning by 15. Like, you just have to be willing to, to audition it like that. I don't think Doc has shown yep. the, the willingness to use the regular season like that. Totally agree. That's something that, I mean, Coach Bud should have gotten praise for. And even with all of that, even with everything that we're discussing right now, Ultimately, what it came down to is getting that Drew Holiday, who isn't an Eric Bledsoe, getting Chris Middleton to be the optimized version of Chris Middleton, getting P.J. Tucker at the trade deadline as that small ball center. And then the most important thing was Giannis going into absolute God mode. So even if all the pieces fall into place and you do those auditioning in the regular season and you figure out what works best and you optimize your team best, Ultimately, the team's chances will rest on Joel Embiid being the player that he has had games of in the playoffs and he's had stretches of in the regular season. But doing that for an entire playoffs and basically dominating so that no one has any sort of counter to this. So right now, where we're where we're at as Sixers fans is kind of kind of scary because it's Mm -hmm. like. We we don't really have a lot of wiggle room. There are obviously all these fake rumors coming out there about, and God bless his heart, love Stephen A. Smith. I think the man is a fucking genius, to be honest. Performance artist, goes on television every day, and just it just says shit and is so theatrical and funny and over the top. But like Doc goes on, uh, Doc goes on first take and. Stephen A, of course, is injecting all of his rumors that he's hearing <laughs> live on air. And the, in addition to Doc lying, Stephen A is just bold-faced lies. Like, and and here, here's the reason I know why. The CJ for Rocco thing, 
I don't know if you heard that one, but it, it was basically yeah. CJ McCollum, yeah. Robert Covington, and picks for Ben Simmons. Yep. That would be a dream for the Sixers at this point. <laughs> That's why. That's why. I, so I, I, that's why I was telling. I, I was telling um, you know, a couple of buddies that I'm really down on that that rumor leak because I, I I don't see Maury saying no to that. Like if that's what the offer was, 100. percent That's what the offer is tonight. Then, you, then you're an idiot for not taking. You're not getting anything better than that. Like, no, I mean that is kind of the perfect. Like that would be the I, idealized trade for the Sixers right now because. You get the closer in CJ, even though the, the thing about CJ is he's kind of like combo guard Tobias in that like he's a scorer. He doesn't do much else and he's not a like he doesn't get to line a ton, but he's basically like a super Seth Curry in that like he's going to take a lot more threes. He's going to hit pull up mid range shots. He's going to be he's going to be able to exist outside of the area where Joel Embiid functions. Another thing to this, though, is the fact that, like, and Robert Covington, having Thibel and Covington and even an improved Maxi and an improved Tobias with Joel Embiid, like, you wouldn't even have to worry about losing the defense that you would lose from Ben. Your help defense would be fantastic. Thibel could be your on-ball stopper. Like, But the thing is, is that contractually, this trade wouldn't even work because you would have to probably add in Seth Curry. Maybe, like, and at that point, yeah. it's like, I mean, I'd consider doing it. It's an idea I had, especially if the Blazers are giving up picks to get CJ and Rocco in exchange for Seth and Ben. But then an issue that you run into is CJ's age. He's 30, about to be 30 years old. You know, he's going into his 30s. He's a small guard. They tend to not age nearly as well. And then on top of that, Robert Covington is going into the last year of his deal. I feel like he's going to get like $20 million a year next year. So... Yeah, so and rightfully though, right? He's in rightfully. Yeah, he's one of the best role players in the NBA. But your point, your point about CJ is what troubles me more. And I love CJ. Like, I'm, I'm not as down on him as, as some of Sixers Twitter is. I think he fits an, an exact need that they don't have right now. But I, I also, you know, one of the biggest questions to him about him is is his durability. And like you said, he's a small guard. You know, like he has those. He gets those weird injuries where like he'll miss. 10 days and then it, it goes from 10 days to a month and like then you're back to square one because then you're back yep. to you know having to play and be 40 minutes a night in december you know you know what i mean so like it's it's a it's a it's a legit yep. question. um and it's really the i mean you had your i guess you know you gotta hedge your bet on, on any of these because none of these are gonna be perfect trades anymore um so you so you just uh, you, you just no definitely not that, but again if that was even the impetus, the framework of a deal, I, I think you got to do it, which is why, back to your original point, I don't think it was that big of a rumor. I think when Stephen A, when Stephen A said they were kicking it around, I think they literally were like, somebody was probably like, yo, would you guys do, you know, Rocco and CJ for Ben and maybe uh, Seth and somebody in the Blazers was like, oh, yeah, we talked about this. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's probably more so what happened. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably something that he heard in passing and then passed it off as like they might actually yeah. do it. like and now that Dame's not leaving, maybe it's the Hail Mary attempt to try to get Ben Dame right. to stay and Ben right. becomes their Draymond or whatever their idea of what Ben becomes. Like I don't believe in that, but I know a lot of people do. And like the thing about getting the CJ thing is and, and this literal or CJ and Covington, this literally go back goes back to exactly what we were just talking about, which is essentially trying to create a way to survive the minutes without 
Joel Embiid. And if you get Robert Covington, one of the things that Robert Covington has gained over the years in in his post-Sixers career is that he's actually incredibly effective as a rim protector. And if you have – you can play Tobias at the five and Covington at the four. You can have Tobias in the post to guard the bigger guys that he's shown he – Guarded Marcus Gasol in the playoffs a few years ago. He's proven to be effective against Brooke Lopez in some situations. Right. Like you could essentially have Covington as your rim protector, Tobias guarding bigger fives, and then you could have a, a, a functional lineup where you have like Maxi, CJ, Danny, Tobias, Covington, and it's like okay, now you have a way to function in the minutes that Joel, even if it's ten minutes a game, you can survive. You can shoot enough threes, and you can have enough rim pressure to be able to kind of survive those minutes without Joel. And the reason why it just—it's all too good to be true at this point because it's like when we were discussing this the other day. Me and you were like, "What the fuck are they even going to get?" Malik, <laughs> Malik Beasley and Jaden McDaniel's like. Like, I don't even know what is out there. Like, we don't even have an idea of what is out there right now. So at this, at that point, if that were even remotely real, I, I don't see a situation how they couldn't take that, even if they're lower on C.J. McCollum than, than the rest of the league. Like, at worst, C.J.'s, what, a top 50 player? I'd probably say he's, like, yeah. a top 40-ish player. Yeah, and I think um, somebody else, or another, I think yesterday – um, well, I read it this morning, but it's like yesterday, like one of the Cavs beat writers said that they're getting really, really close to only having like minimal like untouchables. I think they said that um, that maybe Mobley and Darius Garland would be even close to untouchable. Um, so it just, it, I don't know, it just goes back to our original discussion that we had earlier in the week that like there's, there is sincerely no clue what's actually out there. Like none of us have a clue because they're so tight-lipped about it. Um, so we don't know. Daryl Morey has no but clue. He, even he, like, even <laughs> he has no clue. Um, and then I, I know I always tell you when we, when we get through these these trade seasons and these off seasons that the, the smoke is, you know, it's always too much smoke. I, I think there's definitely a lot of smoke coming from Cleveland. I think they, they want to do something, but I don't think that they – I don't know if they are ready to really pony up for more you want, especially if they're not including Darius Garland. I know, I know for a fact they want they will want Garland over um, over Sexton. Personally, I would take either one of them. I, I guess if you you know you put me on the spot, I probably would want Garland. But I I think I again I'm another one of those guys who I'm not that down on Colin Sexton. I think he I think he can be really good. I think he's also He's a super aggressive guard. He's smaller, but, you know, a, a Sexton Maxi backcourt would certainly be something. Um, but um, it, it would definitely yeah. be a, a, ton of, a ton of organized chaos at some points. Um, but I think that the, the thing that's going to come, it's going to really come down to, and I know you tweeted about this a couple of times, and I think you may even have people more talked about it, is really the picks and the protections. Because I think that, um, there's going to come a lot more. I don't think Maury's there yet. I think, I think Maury is being Maury's being patient because more, this is his first spell in Philadelphia and he hasn't been through what we've been through. So he's going to chill. Um, he's not as pressed as we are because we've been, I mean, we've been through the Colts, we've been through the, the Oakland Forest. So he's, he hasn't, he's just like, whatever, like I'll take my time. I don't give a shit. 
Um, but I, I do, I do think that he's going to draw a line. <laughs> it's going to be either get whatever serviceable players you can get, whatever young guys you can get, or you know, get a mix, one or two, one or two young, one or two young guys, and then a bunch of picks that are lightly protected. So when the time comes, you know, we the, the cover's full, and if you have to attach a, a Matisse or a Maxi to something to go get a bill or whomever, it won't hurt as much. Yeah, absolutely. And and a report earlier uh, last week, or it might have even been earlier this week, was essentially from Kyle Newbeck of the Philly Voice. Our guy. He said, Shout out to Kyle. Yeah, love Kyle. One of, like my favorite Sixers writer. No offense to uh, to you and uh, Sixers Adam. Oh, yeah, none taken. None, none taken at all. That dude. Listen, he was he was in Europe uh, working. So I'm I'm not I'm not anywhere close to that level. Of dedication. Yeah, he was on the grind in Barcelona, yeah, yeah. dude. If I'm in Barcelona, I'm throwing my phone into the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> All right. right, my dude was having his bouchetta and writing about Clutch and Rich Paul. I'm not. I do not have that kind of dedication. So shout out to him. Yeah, Kyle's a great dude and uh, a great writer too. But Kyle basically said that what he, the, the feeling he is getting from the team is that if they are to accept some sort of package that is built around prospects and picks and it's built maybe more around some sort of future incentives yeah he thinks that the team will only do that in the circumstance that they have a trade already lined up so so like if even if they get maybe darius garland like i think if they get darius garland like which i i don't even know is realistic at this point but if they were to get Darius Garland and then we're talking about really shooting for the stars here because of the mess in Minnesota, but like Anthony Edwards, then I think that shifts the entire dialogue of the conversation because teams would be desperate to get one of those two incredibly exciting, good young prospects that could have potential superstar value. So I think the team is just in the holding pattern right now because they don't have a deal out there that they can take whoever they get back, they can then flip and get a star or a superstar or whatever it is. And my, uh, uh, just a low key, my favorite part of that entire story, Kyle was talking about from the perspective of the Sixers, his sources and all that stuff with the team. And my favorite part of it was the fact that he said, one of the reasons why, <laughs> why the team was excited to have Ben back is they hired a shooting coach this summer and they, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it, the shooting coach was Phil Beckner, the guy who they clearly just hired to try to lure Dame. He was Dame's old trainer. <laughs> like, yeah, no, we hired the shooting coach to try to help you out, Ben. Definitely not to trade you for Damian Lillard. No, yo, dude, dude, no, don't worry about it. We, we did not hire Dame's trainer to lure Dame. It was for you. Come on, relax. <laughs> It was for you. It was for you to get out of Philadelphia so we could replace you with a better player. Well, you know, in a way it was for you is when you get your hell out of here. Right. (laughs) Someone, by the way, we're recording this on Spotify green room and someone is saying Ben Simmons to the Spurs question mark in the comments. And um, yeah, I'm, I just don't see a way that that happens unless they're getting once again, like a DeJounte Murray, Derek White, picks maybe Devin like the Maury's gonna if you don't have a top tier prospect like the guys we mentioned the Garlands the Edwards those kind of guys or you don't have a star or superstar that appeals specifically to the Sixers 
Daryl Morey is going to ask for way too much from a team that has, and like, as much as I like some of the players on the Spurs, you could argue that the Spurs have the worst, like, future in terms of, like, players on the team, right? Like, there's no, arguably, there's no future superstars on the Spurs. Like, they got a bunch of really good role players, a bunch of guys who could be, like, top 50 guys, top 75 guys, but I don't see anyone on their team that I say superstar. And, like, I don't see Maury getting involved with that at this point just because, like, we're to the point where it's like Ben's value is so low that like he probably won't even be able to get what I just described from the Spurs. And why would the Spurs do that? Because they would have Ben Simmons and no one else. Do you? So another, I know you saw it because we talked about it on on the timeline, but um, they, you know they mentioned Denver being a dark horse, and I've been racking my brain like before I hopped on, just trying to figure out what I would even want or what that would even look like, but what. Who, who would you want, or what would you even, what would you even start a Denver package with? Okay, so here's the thing about the Denver thing. First off, that re- that was reported by Sam Amick originally. I'm yeah. sorry, Sam Amico, who constantly is. Conf- I have the meme, which He's is the, me. yeah, I have the meme, the Homer Simpson hand, where it says. Sam Amick equal good, Sam Amico equal bad. Amico has proven to be not as trustworthy as Amick. Amick writes for The Athletic. Amico is more of one of these guys that's kind of like an outsider insider, as I would describe him. Is like he kind of like he kind of just like puts general rumors out there, and sometimes they're true. Most of the time they're not. So the Nuggets were the mystery team that he said. The Nuggets he, here's the thing, unless the Nuggets are certifiably insane and want to trade Jamal Murray for Ben Simmons, it's almost impossible to pull that trade off right now just from a contract standpoint. So the Nuggets can't trade Aaron Gordon, who is a big chunk of a a contract that they would be able to trade. They can't trade Will Barton. They can't trade all these guys until later, December 15th for Will Barton and Jermichael Green and some other guys that they uh, they signed back in free agency. And then even later for Aaron Gordon, closer to the trade deadline, because he literally just extended the other day. So ideally, like if they were like Jamal Murray's off the table, the obvious one there would be Michael Porter Jr. Like, I mean, but once again, Michael Porter Jr. is what, 22, 23 years? 22, 23, yeah, something like that. Yeah, he's super young. He just, he's an incredible three-point shooter. He's been, I mean, the joke is that people call him like tall clay. Like, he's obviously not as good <laughs> defensively as as clay, but like the guy has the, if he can stay healthy, and he, he he's in a very similar situation to Joel Embiid was a few years ago, but if he can stay healthy, we're talking about a guy who's clearly going to be a top 25, top 30 player if he continues on his track of development. Like, he's an insane shooter already. He's a good fit with with Jokic and Murray offensively, at least. And I just don't see a scenario. Like, I mean, at this point, like, if it got to December 15th, it could be, like, Barton and maybe a little bit later Gordon and, like, Monte Morris. But, like, uh, that doesn't – that's whatever to me. Like, a bunch of fine role players – who don't really do any, like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I just look at it like, unless you're getting back Michael Porter Jr. or Jamal Murray, there's no trade I would make with the Nuggets. I like, I like MPJ a lot, um, even if he's an anti-vaxxer. Like, I like, I like him a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, Shout out Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> what the fuck, man? <laughs> do you, do you, um, <laughs> I I feel like I feel the same. I I think that really it's going to come down to 
whatever the cat if the Cavs decide to shit or get off the pot, and there's you know there's probably going to be a mystery team or two. Um, and then there's all there's all like I feel like Minnesota's out right. I, I they just got too much going on right now. I feel like I don't know what the yeah. fuck's going on with Minnesota, dude. Yeah. Like I mean. Uh, that was something that I wanted to bring up on here is the fact that like they just fired Rosas because he was apparently sleeping with and not his assistant but an assistant, but in, an assistant, yeah, in the offices. By the way, yeah. that's why he yeah. was fired. It, it's not technically you can't fire someone for that, but they were doing it in the offices. He was caught. It's a whole fucking mess right there. Sh- yeah. Sashin Gupta, who used to work for Maury in Houston, worked for Hinky in Philly, is now the GM. I don't know how he values Ben Simmons. Uh, the reports coming out are, are they're apparently still interested in Ben Simmons, but I don't think that this change in regime is going to go from we are interested in Ben Simmons, but we're not giving up Anthony Edwards to, sure, you can have Anthony Edwards now. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, no, that's that's out of the question, I'm sure. Um, Unless they're really trying to rectify the Carl Anthony Towns situation and Towns is like, get me Ben Simmons, and Anthony Edwards has to be involved, which I just, I, I have a hard time seeing that. But my question to you, which I was going to bring up on here, is is Elton Brand going to be Daryl Morey's version of what Kevin McHale was to Danny Ainge when he traded Kevin Garnett's for fucking peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, so I, if I they hire know, him because they're interested in, in in Elton Brand for the, I did, I did very much hear yeah that the new ownership group is in like very enthralled with him, and I I know I just don't I don't see Morey getting getting nothing for something, so I I, I think I think we might have another another situation like that. Um, and I know they're close. I, like I know him and Elton are close. Like it's, it's been a good year of, um, you know, Elton learning, learning, I guess the rope, so to speak. But he's also someone who is, he's incredibly talented. He's a, he, and he, everybody seems, everybody continues to think high of him. Like even remember when, um, when Maury, when they announced the Maury hiring, the the word along with that was that a ton of people wanted to talk to brand for their job anyway and and he decided to stay so like it, it's yeah not like he, he stayed because he didn't have a job there's a bunch of teams who wanted to talk to him for their gm role so i think that he still that equity is still very much there so if he does like if he decides that this is it yeah i think we, I think we could see another another uh mikhail times too yeah i i think i think basically if Elton Brand were to go, and, and by the way, just want to throw this out there. This was a rumor, not 100% yeah. true in terms of, no, I'm talking about something actually separate. Yeah. A few years ago when the Sixers were essentially knocking on the door of the championship, they had just traded for Jimmy Butler. Anthony Davis had just asked out of New Orleans and was being sat out. One of the things that was discussed was the fact that Elton Brand wanted to trade Ben Simmons for Anthony Davis. And essentially go in with a core and then settled for Tobias Harris in that trade. Go in with a core of Jimmy Butler, Anthony Davis, Joel Embiid to try to win a title that year. He saw the opening that year and wanted to go all in. So, Well, he's not dumb. We know, we know he's not dumb. So. He's not. St- like, like Elton had his, his misfires, obviously, the 2019 offseason. We don't know how much he, did, how much he was in control of that and how much the, the ownership was. But... Yeah. He had, for all of the criticism of him, the 2018-2019 season, going out and being aggressive to get Jimmy Butler, going out and aggressive to beat Tobias Harris, trying to get Anthony Davis. Like, like he definitely 
I will learn from his mistakes, but I don't think that the idea that, that Elton Brand can become a good GM is that far-fetched. Like, I think that because of the fact that players really like him, he has that personable relationship, and he's super aggressive. He's just might be a little bit overly aggressive in the wrong ways. And, and now we'll understand from that first lesson. So like, is he going to be super aggressive if he goes to Minnesota and attempt to get back to the playoffs and trading Anthony, uh, Anthony Edwards for Ben Simmons would probably help for that next year, but their future would be capped because you're not, you're not building around a potential superstar in, in uh, Anthony Edwards and uh, Carl Anthony Towns. So. Well, I think it's also funny that he wanted to trade for, for AD. It kind of makes sense because AD is a power forward. And he's like a play center because he's scared. He's too scared to bang. Uh, <laughs> there you go, Lakers fans. That's your, that's your shout out. Um, but anyway, um, listen, I, I think that there's, um, there's certainly something to that team that he put together being still to this day the best chance they had to win a championship. And it's upsetting to really crazy that the problem, the same problem, continues to play. That this is a team that has has always had problems at the backup center position for at least as long as they've had Joel Embiid, and two has never really had a point guard. <laughs> um, some somehow, some fun somehow. Um, oh wait, hold on, Zoe. Do you hear that? It's Tyrese Maxey's music. <laughs> Yo, yo, I thank you for bringing that up because I just wanted to add a disclaimer that I I will fight whoever decides to be mean to my guy this year. Like he's gonna be under he's gonna be under a lot of pressure. Obviously. Hand them the keys the keys to the Cadillac, I'm sure from day one. Um, but like they they gotta be you gotta be patient with it. Like it's also because for all my college hoop heads, I know you're you're one of them because I know you watch the, the draft stuff. He he never he never he rarely played point guard in Kentucky. Um, it was him and, and Manny Quickly, who I love. He's another one. Yeah. one another one of those guys. Shout out to Manny. Um, and Manny was basically their on ball guy. So Reese was doing a lot of off ball stuff. So he's still learning how to be a point guard. Um, I think he, he's he's a very 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 intelligent basketball player. He cares. He wants to be good. So I think he's gonna transition to it nicely. It's just. We need to all also be patient. Like I, I, I listen. I feel victim to it myself because I think he's going to be so so good. Um, but I also want to make sure that you know we temper expectations. Same. Like he's not going to come out and score twenty and 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 have ten assists and five steals every night because that's 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 unconventional. He's still only he's still super young and it's only his second full year in the league. But um, he got good guys around him. He's got Danny. He's got Tobias. He's got Joe. You know, Sam Cassell is still there, which I think is huge. Um, so I think he's going to be terrific. I just want to make sure that we we all we all have very, 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 like, level-headed this. I know it's a lot asking for Sixers Nation, but you know, we're we all, like, very level-headed in how we expect him to. to <laughs> oh, yeah, and I just want to say, I, prediction, you said that he will be under a lot of pressure. There will be a game where he has either a bad game or a good game, and he will post to Instagram a quote afterwards that says, like, pressure, uh, pressure makes diamonds or something. Something. <laughs> very- he is that, you know what? That is perfect. He is that kind of guy because he's, uh, he, I, right after, I think it was, I might have, I might have been, um, 
my maybe Kai Carl and shout out to Kai and, and all those all those Sixers beats. But I think it might have been Kai who posted like like four days after Game Seven, he was in the gym again, and the post was like, oh, you know, one percent better or something like that. I'm just like, dude, like I'm already in love with every you, day. Man. Yeah, I'm yeah. already in love with you. Like, you don't you don't have to do it. <laughs> you got me. I'm I'm I am a hundred percent in. You don't have to do this anymore. But I, you know, in reading about him. And reading about just like his work ethic, like it's that's genuinely who he is, you know. And like I know when we when we first drafted him, um, Coach Kyle even said that he's a gym rat, like he's a guy who genuinely like doesn't read his press clippings, like he wants to, he does whatever they ask of him. So you know, it's yeah. And he compared him to to Shea yeah. and Jamal. Yeah. He said he's like Shea Gilgis Alexander and Jamal Murray in terms of like his play style and his work ethic. So like. Those two, from what I've heard, those are two of the hardest workers in the NBA. He, he coached both of them. He knows, like, like Maxi will be that guy. We just have to give it time, and we hope that it does align with the Joel Embiid timeline. But like, one of the reasons why I feel better about the idea of trading Ben, even if it's for more complementary pieces that fit well around Joel and Tobias, and now Maxi is is the fact that like. If Maxi can take that step in year two and year three, that you don't have to have as much pressure on Joel to carry the scoring load, on yeah. Tobias to carry the scoring load, on Seth. Like, like you can essentially evenly distribute it and, and hope to maybe get some other guys in there that can optimize around Joel, around Tobias. And the hard part is going to be the fact that, and Mike brought this up on the podcast last week, is the fact that, like, like you're still going to have to beat the Nets and you're still going to have to even beat the Bucks. And like, regardless of how you feel about the Bucks, like they have three top 30, 35 players. Then the Nets clearly have three top 20 players who are all incredible. So it's going and they got a massive leap from Maxi in order to be. What's that? And the fucking Nets somehow got better. (laughs) It's so frustrating. Like they, they went into the off season and everybody's like, Oh, they'll probably just stay status quo. They're fine. They just have to get healthy. And, of course, they went out and got four more guys. They went and got fucking Patty Mills. Like, how do you, how, how does that even happen? Paul Millsap. Like, <laughs> they just got better. It's just unreal. They can take – they literally fill 10 guys. They're going to they're gonna play 10 guys. So, when a ton of playoffs come, KD's going to be playing 60 minutes a night and Harden's going to be playing 60 minutes a night. It won't even matter because – Collectively, they're gonna both play like maybe thirty minutes a night during the season because they go fucking fifteen deep. It's yep. so it's so crazy to see how they they put that team together. Um, they're basically Lakers East, but Kevin Durant has a better of idea how to te- build a team than LeBron James does. Oh yeah, yeah, like <laughs> clearly. I mean, just look at <laughs> look at what they did. Like their two biggest acquisitions are Patrick yep. Mills and Paul Millsap. What they need last year, they need another another ball handler for when Kyrie was out. They need another backup big because um, they just needed the extra bodies for when they were running, like when they didn't want to run Nick Claxton. Like, come on, man. It's, it's simple. It's, it's simple mathematics. Yep. It's just incredibly frustrating that they also had a good draft. Like, I like the guys that they got in the draft. Like, I just feel like that the Nets are going to be a thorn in the side of everyone in the Eastern Conference, specifically the Sixers, because the Sixers are essentially – uh, D- they're David versus Goliath in this situation. We have Joel Embiid and a bunch of other guys versus the big three. Plus, they have insane depth now. It's it, it's it's frustrating, but 
ultimately once this Ben Simmons, like we, we can't really talk on the Sixers and it's every national podcast I listen to is like, well, we don't even know how to rank the Sixers because yeah, like we want to put them top three, but like the last year, one of the reasons why they were really good was because the vibes were so good. And like, are the vibes yeah. going to be bad if Ben comes back? Who's going to replace Ben? Like, it's this whole fucking thing that we are praying this is the last time that we have to talk about it for an hour on the podcast. And please, Daryl Morey, sometime in the next week, just make, get a good offer and fucking take it. <laughs> and you know what? And you know what's crazy? My my last, I guess, to put a ball on everything. He may have already, he may already have his offer, right? And that's the that's the yeah that's the part that's making me so anxious is that I know for a fact that he's. That they're at the point where they're getting close to the point where someone is like, look, this is our best. We've talked to every other GM. We know you're not getting anything better than what we're offering. So you, you <laughs> hold on to this, but it's not going to last long because we also have a team to fill. You know what I mean? Like, you have to also remember that yep. it's not just the Sixers who, like, this is holding half the league up. Like, you don't, like, like this is not it just is. the Sixers that have a team to fill. Like, what, what about what about the Minnesota guys? What about the Cleveland guys? Like, Monday when 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 the press come calling, you bet your ass they're going to be asking about Ben Simmons out in Cleveland. You know. Yep. When me and Zoe are standing outside of the facility in Camden with our protest signs. <laughs> All right, Zoe. So, which is also which is uh, this is my last point. Which is also. A, I actually think it's not too far fetched. Um, I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a important thing because Jason Dumas has been pretty spot on with all his shit. I think it's just funny. I think yes, it's yeah. actually extremely funny that some of us have been like, you know what? It's actually not too far off. That's a very like that would be a thing to be like, you know what? Let's uh, fifty hours get together and go fucking boo Ben Simmons head off the first day of Trump. Yeah. Like that's. Oh, I certainly would not be surprised. I think that. I think that the angle that Jason has been reporting from is clearly coming from his sources with Clutch. I think he's also had sources with the Sixers. I think these sources are coming from Clutch. And I think that he is painting the picture that Clutch wants to be painted. But if that happened, I wouldn't be surprised at all. <laughs> I, I actually would be cracking up. It's almost like we're getting dared now. Now that he said it, now we got to do it. Now, someone's, now someone has to do it because now you challenged us. That's how we do it. Exactly. All right. So I know you got to get out of here, and I just want to get one more thing from you. So Sixers aside, Ben Simmons aside, you have an Eagles podcast coming out. Obviously, the Eagles had a disappointing loss this past week. They were in the game for most of it, but they they ended up losing San Francisco 49ers. Very good team. So they're playing the Cowboys this week. Do they get the W on Monday night against the Cowboys? Uh, It's in Dallas where, ironically, we actually have been – We've been pretty good um, in recent years. So um, my official prediction, and you'll hear it again uh, if you listen to the pod. But I like us. I like the birds by a touchdown on Monday night. Um, I think Love that, it. I think the defense steps up in the absence of of BG. I think Hurts and the receivers have a much better game. That Dallas uh, defense is yearning to get uh, taking control of it. So I like us by a touchdown. Love it. All right, I, I'm with you there. I predict I'm not going to do any predictions officially anymore because I predicted we were going to win against the 49ers. We lost. <laughs> I'm not cursing us anymore, but I, I love the vibes. I love it. Thank you so much for coming on once again, well. and I appreciate you always 100% support Zoe's stuff. Follow him on Twitter. You probably already do. Subscribe to the newsletter. Subscribe to the podcast. Thanks, Zoe. All right, brother. Talk to you soon, man. Peace. Later.
What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the You Know Ball podcast. I am your host, Trill Bro Dude, and today we have a special episode. Um, we are going a little bit out of the Sixers universe to talk about something that has been in the news this week. Now, I know a lot of people are fucking sick of me talking about Ben Simmons every single week, as am I, but that's all we really have to talk about right now. So, a report came out earlier this week about potentially Ben Simmons being connected to the Houston Rockets. And because of that, I want to have on my number one source for Houston Rockets Twitter info. Um, you might follow him on Twitter. His at, at itamar underscore 17 underscore 10. Itamar, what's going on, dude? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing well, dude. Uh, are you excited to talk about some some absolute nonsense? Yeah, that's that's the thing I love most, man. <laughs> so what I am referring to uh, is, of course, earlier this week, a Cavs blogger at I am not Evan, I believe is is his handle. He tweeted something yeah. kind of connected me and you um, on Twitter earlier this week, which was the fact that the Houston Rockets, your favorite team, uh, are interested in trading for Ben Simmons. So one of the things that was in that reporting originally was that it would involve John Wall going back to Philadelphia. Now, how did you react to that when you read that report? And and how is Rockets Twitter feeling about it in general? Man, like, I it really came out of the blue because like we knew Wall wanted out, we knew Ben Simmons wanted out, but it was so funny. Like just a couple of days previously, T. McMahon joked in the podcast that the Rockets should troll Double Mori by uh, saying that we want they want Ben Simmons for John Wall, and so it really caught me by surprise. Uh, I treated it as a joke because John Wall. Is like the worst asset in the NBA <laughs> right now. If there is a contract worse than Tobias Harris, it's John Walls. And, uh, so that's how I treated it. The Rockets Twitter, they, we immediately started going into arguments about should we do it? Should we not do it? And it's funny because if you ask Rockets fan, the return, like a realistic trade would be John Wall and like two trash first round picks, say like the Miami Heat pick in 2022, Milwaukee in 2023, where I'm sure if you were to discuss the John Wall Ben Simmons trade, you would add many picks on top of that because the strong disconnection, especially that like the entire, like the past couple of months, Rockets fans have been justifying themselves by not trading James Harden for Ben Simmons, and suddenly Ben Simmons becomes available and connected to the Rockets again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it's a little bit different when you're trading, as you said, John Wall, the worst asset contract in the NBA uh, for Ben Simmons, as opposed to James Harden, one of the best players of all time. But at the same time, the hypocrisy is a little bit hilarious to see it play out, because I follow you and some other Rockets fans, and it has been nonstop bragging about how you guys got it right. And while there is some truth to that, I'm not going to deny that element of it. I do think it's funny that John Wall would ever be seen. John Wall, who, by the way, will make $95 million over the next two years, I believe. Um, and 
is clearly way past is I believe it's around 95 million, right? It's 91, I believe. Yeah, it's something 91. like that. Okay. So over $90 million over the next two years. Whereas Ben Simmons, who with all of his flaws and, and everything that comes with that, is still 25 years old, is a three-time All-Star, is technically in the middle of his prime. He will be making about 10 to $15 million less over the next two years uh, per year. And so let's... The, the, the reason why I completely dismissed this report from the jump was just the fact that even if the Sixers wanted to trade for John Wall, let's just say they think Ben Simmons for John Wall is a fair trade. And the, like you said, the Rockets add two first round picks to it and the Sixers are just going for draft capital and then a contract that they can trade maybe in a year from now. Let's just say and hypothetically that is the case. Uh, well, that's not even possible because you would actually have to add even more salary to Ben Simmons <laughs> to trade for John Wall. And if you look at the Sixers books, the only thing that they don't have right now are tradable contracts. So Tobias Harris makes way too much money to be traded and get back any sort of positive value on that. Essentially, every other player is on some sort of bargain rookie contract or Seth Curry is on a a fantastic $8 million a year deal. Uh, Danny Green can't be traded right now. Furkan Korkmaz can't be traded right now. The the Sixers are not in the position to even do this trade. And, And let's just even go even further and hypothetically say they'd be willing to add in a player. Well, who would that player be that they could get to the point where they can trade for John Wall, it doesn't Matisse Thibel, like, okay, then you're definitely losing the trade for next year. The the trade doesn't make any sense unless the Sixers are just completely punting. Why would you turn down Malcolm Brogdon? And why would you turn down reported deals for other players who are clearly better than John Wall and make less money? And then you just pivot to trading for John Wall? Yeah, in this it just doesn't make sense, really. I mean, if you're trading for John Wall, it comes from the belief that the guy you saw in the first month or so of the season is the real John Wall, and that he can kind of return to previous form. But even if he does all of that, and he plays much better than he did this past season, Malcolm Vaughan is still better. Like, some other offers are still yeah. better. And, like, it's, it's funny because a trade would be Kind of similar, similar logic, logic between the two sides because I'm sure there are other, there are fans of other teams who believe that Ben Simmons in their system could be unleashed and maybe some, some people in Philadelphia believe that if John Wall were to play with Joel Embiid, he would stop taking mid, bad mid-range shot and would start being more efficient. So it's, a lot of it's based off hypotheticals that maybe a player with a different scenario can play better, but the thing is that Ben Simmons is, no matter what, is, is going to contribute so much more in the regular season, even in the playoffs. Even though John Wall is a great track record in the playoffs, I would still rather have Ben Simmons just for the, just for the defensive side of the floor. Absolutely. And, and the thing is, is that the, as we've said, with all of their flaws and everything when you consider this, if you trade for, I, I jokingly said the Sixers are going to solve their second round playoff issues by trading for John Wall so that they can lose in the play in tournament instead. Like, 
John trading Ben Simmons for John Wall makes you a worse regular season team. And at best, absolute best ceiling makes you a second round exit team still as well. So as you said, with the hypotheticals, like everyone talks about this idealized version of Ben that we'll probably never see, but he also has a relatively clean bill of health. He has had recent success in the regular season and the idea that these two are fair value in any sort of trade, even if you throw away the contracts, doesn't make any sense to me. I, I've said before on this podcast, the only way I would ever entertain John Wall on the Rockets at this point in his career, earlier career John, John Wall, obviously, yes. This version of John Wall, like the only way that I would consider him on the Sixers is on a veteran's minimum deal, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, with all, it's like the case that, I mean, you hate seeing Ben Simmons not shoot the ball for an entire playoff series, like against the Hawks. Of course. And that's terrible. But, but then, but you're going to miss it after you see John Wall, like, shoot 28% from mid range <laughs> for an entire playoff series. Like, he was a start for you over the past five seasons, right? Since Emmanuel Mudia is rookie season, the, the worst two mid range shooting seasons in the NBA both belong to John Wall. So, <laughs> I'm not sure that's exactly the player you want. Uh, even wow. Wait, even worse, even worse than Russell Westbrook. Yeah, uh, yeah. When you sort for uh, four attempts per game or more, I think Westbrook comes in third last or something like that. But this, but John, this season by John Wall, and I think the last season was like the 2018, I believe, 2017-2018. Those are the two worst shooting seasons since Emmanuel Mudiay. And even looking at it from the Rockets' perspective, you would get a lot better. But I'm not sure, like that. The thing is, I'm not, I don't think Houston is willing to offer enough draft capital to entice the Sixers to take this swap because since they are just entering a rebuild, like you see the teams interested in Ben, Minnesota, when Rosas was there, they needed to, they needed to win after years of being bad. Sacramento, they've been in the lottery for years now, but the Rockets are in a different position for, where they don't need to watch this process. So I just really don't see a, a deal coming together. No, I'm totally with you. And I think that that's a good point. The fact that the Rockets are not in any sort of desperation mode to make the playoffs doesn't really make them a team that makes sense for a Ben Simmons trade. Now, one person that I want to shout out in particular is someone who uh, has been an enemy of Sixers Twitter for quite some time. And that is Mr. Chris Sheridan of the New York Daily News, who will be the first person that will get the honor of you're going to jail award on this podcast. Chris Sheridan of formerly of the New York Daily News. Now I believe he writes for basketballnews.com or I don't even know. I don't even really care. He was essentially one of the people that was pushing this idea of a Ben Simmons for John Wall trade this week. First off, if you don't know the history of Chris Sheridan with the Sixers and Ben Simmons specifically, he was literally fired by the New York Daily News for reporting a fake story about Ben Simmons and Brett Brown about two years ago. Uh, the New York Daily News let him go after it was learned that there was a lot of fabrications in the story. And that tells you a lot about his journalistic integrity in general. Um, he said in his tweets, he has been saying this week, first off, I'm not sure if, if you heard about this, but 
About two weeks ago, there was reports that Tyrese Maxey would also be included in any Ben Simmons trade because he is also uh, a part of Clutch, right? So that report was pretty much back. The the reporter who reported that, Jason Dumas, back down from that report uh, the next day. Other people refuted it. It essentially was clearly clutch trying to angle and realizing that they might have gone too far because they got a lot of backlash on it. But Chris Sheridan, that has not stopped this man. He is still absolutely going in. He said he believes that uh, any trade that Philadelphia and Houston would do would include Ben Simmons, Tyrese Maxey for John Wall and picks. So obviously, as a Houston fan, you would love that, right? <laughs> No doubt, man. Maxi is a perfect fit with this team. <laughs> you know what's funny? It's funny. All these months later, we always talk about how, oh, well, the Rockets didn't want Ben Simmons. And it's like, well, now now if that trade had gone down, maybe Maxi would have been the centerpiece of it. <laughs> yeah. Man, if only Maxi, like, I, like, it was reported at the time that if Maxi was on the table, then the Rockets would have taken the six or also. And, well, it's aged. Like right now, I imagine Maxi might like get more. I personally like. I I'm a fan of a rebuilding team, and we're not trying to win. But I would offer more in a trade for Maxi than I would for Simmons at this point. I mean, if you are a rebuilding team, that's that's kind of been my whole thing. Is if you are a rebuilding team, to me, Tyrese Maxi, even if he never becomes as good as Ben Simmons is right now, he's on a rookie contract. He will be essentially locked up for your team for the next six, maybe seven years, depending on how his second contract goes. You can develop him with your other younger guys. Whereas right now, to me, the the, the problem with any Ben Simmons trade is the fact that Ben is already is who he is, essentially. He is 25 years old, squarely in the middle of his prime. And then on top of that, he doesn't really help championship contenders and he doesn't really help rebuilding teams. So he's only helping those teams that want to go from bad to good. And as you said, with the Rockets, the Rockets right now don't need to focus on being really good. Like next year, you guys don't even have your draft pick, right? No, we do. Next year you do have your draft pick, but then from that point on, it's like you lose some picks to OKC, I believe. Yeah. Uh, in, we we have our picks in 2023 and 2024 in 2022, and then from 2024 until 2026, we it's either a swap or we lose our pick, and uh, it's top four protected like it was this year. Yeah, so shout out Daryl Morey for that one. Um, <laughs> man, if, but, but if we my, lost my, the pick, man, I would have wanted to. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but my my point being is that. There is no incentive on Houston's behalf to be extremely good this year. You're you're almost if you don't have your pick for the next two years, then you might as well try to get a higher lottery a lottery odds and develop guys that you have in house. The Kevin Porter Juniors, the uh, the uh, Jalen Greens, the Shangoons, the guys that you just drafted, and try to basically be a good team in two to three years from now when you don't have your own draft picks. So. Once again, Chris Sheridan posting this fucking bullshit narrative out there that uh, Ben Simmons and Maxi could be traded for John Wall and picks, quote unquote, which, as you said, I believe you said it's Miami Heat and Milwaukee Bucks would be the picks that you would be sending back to us, which is like, 
why would that have a ton of appeal to us? Those are good teams. They're probably going to be mid to late first round picks at best. Yeah. Like it's not there. There's not a ton of incentive there because because of the fact that Houston doesn't own all of their own draft capital. It's not like there's a bunch of spicy picks in there that we could potentially get. Like, I'd rather take a Timberwolves or a Cavs package at that point, because then at least in theory, you can say, okay, well, these teams are historically terrible and they will be bad at some point. And then we can get the pick back picks back. So that's been my whole thing with the idea of getting back picks from Houston is like, even if you were to take that on now, if you change the package, it, I could see it becoming elite, at least a little bit appealing, but like, you're not giving us Kevin Porter jr. Right. No way. Nah. You're not giving us Christian Wood. Uh, I, I don't think so. No, but I wouldn't say that's completely out of the table, but I would, I would really be surprised if that happened. So there we go. Jalen Green's off the table. There's no trade that could be made here from both Houston and Philadelphia side that would be mutually beneficial. And I know that, like, I know a lot of people are like, well, we could do, like, you know, like Eric Gordon. And I saw you said, like, Daniel House. And, like, you could get there contract-wise with DJ Augustine. But, like, ultimately, that's no better. I mean, it's worse than the the packages that we talked about earlier that we know that they're not interested in D'Angelo Russell or Malcolm Brogdon or whoever. And I even like Eric Gordon, but with the injury history and the fact that he is just older now and, like, at best, he's going to be an average starter probably. I think he would fit well on the Sixers if they're not giving up Ben Simmons. But the problem, once again, becomes what do you get back for it? This is the hardest part about this whole fucking thing, you know? Yeah, I. it's hard because like there, unless it's a three-team, four-team trade, I just struggle to see it happening. And that's, that one might end up being the Ben Simmons trade because I don't know how many teams – are actually interested at this point. I don't know if Philly's expectations are going to change soon. I mean, without them playing this, without Ben is playing this, if, if he actually might might not show up to training camp, there are so many possibilities that I just don't imagine it being a good return like anyway, but no way it gets as bad as John Wall or as Eric Gordon and Daniel House. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That that That's my whole thing is like, if there is some sort of trade that is out there that is based around these middle tier players and picks or prospects and picks, that option is always going to end up being better in the long run. And also the one thing we haven't even mentioned from Houston's end is like, let's just say hypothetically you are to, to keep Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, Alperin Shangun, and you trade for Ben Simmons to add to that core. Maybe you move Christian Wood and you find a third team or whatever it is, right? Yeah. At what point do you go, why am I prioritizing Ben Simmons over the development of these three young guys that flourish the most when they have the ball, right? Yeah, exactly. I tweeted about it recently as well. And like, if exactly, like, even with the reports coming out, like Kevin O'Connor said recently on a podcast that Ben Simmons wants to be the Magic Johnson of his own team. And all of that. So I would be concerned about having that guy with Kevin Porter Jr. because I do believe KPJ has a potential as a point guard. But even then, like, let's, even if you trade for Ben Simmons and you keep your important core guys, I, 
like you're basically locking yourself into this call and I would not feel comfortable doing that. I mean, you look at the, at the Rockets roster and actual lottery picks are John Wall, who is 30, 31 now, Dante Exum, who is barely a rotation player, and, and Jalen Green. Those are all the lottery picks you have. So the thing the Rockets need to have, like they need at least one more way of sucking before they actually try to get out of the lottery and try to contend and develop the young core without trying to win. So if you're trading for Siemens now, like, why are you putting your chief forward for a guy who is not a, a needle changer and who doesn't change, who doesn't move the needle anymore and you're just starting a rebuild and it just, just doesn't make sense. Yep. Especially because as you said before, the Rockets were never really interested in Ben Simmons in the first place. So like, yeah, maybe they change their tune if they can get off the worst contract in the NBA for him. But if they have to give up anything of actual value, it doesn't make sense for the Rockets. It doesn't make sense for the Sixers. That has been my whole fucking thing. Uh, so thank you so much for coming on and just talking with me about this. I needed to get this off my chest. I needed, I needed the perspective of a Rockets fan who is rational about these things because I follow a lot of fans of a lot of different fan bases, and a lot of the time they aren't realistic about what they might have. And I know that you always are realistic with what the Rockets have and you know what they might be willing to do trade-wise and who they'll be able to bring in and send out and stuff like that. So I appreciate it. Hopefully, whenever we talk next, the Ben Simmons situation will be sorted out and the John Wall situation will be sorted out, and we can all live in peace. <laughs> Yeah, man, I just wanted, like, as a Rockets fan coming to a Sixers part, I just wanted to laugh about the David Murray situation where he took a gap year because James Harden asked out, so he didn't want to deal with a situation of having a player who might not show up to training cap and doesn't want to be there. It's going to cost him, and he's going to cost him his mess. And now one year later, he's in Philadelphia, and Ben Simmons is going to do the same thing as James Harden, except that he's 10 times worse. So I just really appreciate the irony here. It is incredibly ironic. And also, on top of that, it feels like Maury's influence on the organization. We have a crypto sponsor now. That's our cryptocurrency sponsor. I'm like, this man has truly left his imprint on the team in only one season. And as good as he is as a GM at certain things, it is starting to get a little bit alarming on the player personnel side for me that... As you said, you know, one year later, it's you, you got a guy that wants out, and you know there there have been reports that that guys don't trust him and all this stuff. It, it truly does feel like a, a little bit of of uh, cosmic karma on 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 this end. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, he came into the, to Philadelphia and he made two fantastic trades. I mean, trading Al Horford for Danny Green, trading Seth. Josh Richardson for Seth Curry. Those were like the two most oh, yeah. problematic guys. And then he got two valuable contributors. But he just is never able to take really the next step as a GM. And like what I was really uh, concerned by is that when he was here before he actually uh, left and he really wanted Doc Rivers. And a guy who trusts Doc Rivers like David does is not trustworthy. So... <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> I'm totally with you on that. I am totally with you on that, Imar. I, I, I really appreciate you coming on and, and talking 
with me about this. And uh, so people can follow you. As I said, I'll put all of your Twitter information in the bottom. They can read your stuff on Apollo Houston, which is a Houston sports blog. And uh, uh, once again, appreciate it, bro. It was tons of fun. Thanks for having me. See you.